A reading from the book of the prophet Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Set out for the great city of Nineveh, and announce to it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah made ready and went to Nineveh, according to the Lord's bidding. Now Nineveh was an enormously large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began his journey through the city and had gone but a single day's walk announcing, Forty days more and Nineveh shall be destroyed. When the people of Nineveh believed God, they proclaimed a fast, and all of them, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw by their actions how they turned from their evil way, he repented of the evil that he had threatened to do to them. He did not carry it out. The word of the Lord. Savior. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways. Remember that your compassion, O Lord, and your love are from of old. In your kindness, remember me because of your goodness, O Lord. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways. Good and upright is the Lord. Thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice and teaches the humble his way. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. I tell you, brothers and sisters, the time is running out. From now on, let those having wives act as not having them, those weeping as not weeping, those rejoicing as not rejoicing, those buying as not owning, those using the world as not using it fully. For the world in its present form is passing away. The word of the Lord. Amen. 
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat, mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. Perhaps we are puzzling a bit today. Didn't we just hear the call last week? How is it that we're being presented with the call this week? Well, one obvious reason for it is that God is always calling, especially in the here and now moment of our day and our time. But in the context of salvation history, if we pay attention to how Mark begins this pericope of the gospel, this section of his gospel, remember Mark of the four gospels is the shortest of the four. It's action-packed. It's just the facts, very much to the point. But yet, as he brings us straight to the point, it's pregnant with meaning and connection to the other four. And so when he starts off with, after John had been arrested, after John had been arrested, Mark is assuming, he's taking for granted you and I are familiar with the chronological order of things. Remember last week, John had two disciples with him, and he pointed out Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The two of those disciples left John to go behind Jesus. We were told the identity of one, but the other was not disclosed. However, scholars believe, and rightly so, that the anonymous one, the one that we didn't get the name of, was actually John, the beloved apostle, the author of the Gospel of John, as well as the Apocalypse, the book of Revelation. And what happened last week? What were we told? Jesus asked them, what, would you, what are you looking for? Rabbi, where are you staying? Come and see. The gospel tells us, John tells us, it was four o'clock in the afternoon. Why would that, who, who, uh, who else other than an eyewitness could give us such a detail or would want to write something or put that in the story, in the scene? Remember John also in the sixth chapter of his gospel, the Bread of Life Discourse, 
highlights the fact that there was a lot of green grass when Jesus had the people, he said, instruct them to be seated. And at the conclusion of his gospel, he makes it a point to say that the writing of this book is by no means exhaustive. Jesus said and did many more things that have not been put in this book, but what has been written has been written by an eyewitness. And, he can, and he's whose witness, whose witness is trustworthy. It's been written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So we can rightly conclude that last week's presentation, that disciple whose name we were not given, is the beloved John. And so that gives us some insight now. Because we're being told after John was arrested... So if these were two disciples that went to stay with Jesus for the whole day, but we don't know what was uh, discussed in that time, can you imagine the depth of what Jesus disclosed to them? You know they had to be curious as to, how is it that John's pointing you out? We, you know, can you speak to us about this? And no doubt he did. And he probably also spoke to them about a future time where John would be taken into custody and eventually put to death because of his witness to the word, which now has been made flesh. Perhaps this was disclosed to them. And he says, but when that time comes, I shall come to you. And when I call, be ready. So we we can, I believe, accurately conclude that the two disciples of John, once John was arrested, went back to what they were accustomed to doing. Fishing. These were fishermen. Nothing wrong with that. And they were probably in that posture of waiting, of being vigilant for when the master would come. Now notice how Jesus presents this call. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, he's saying this at a time in which he says also, the time of fulfillment is here. The kingdom of God and the time of fulfillment. This isn't something that Jesus is pulling out of the thin air. He is assuming, again, that those first century Jews were conversant and familiar with the prophetic writings, particularly that of Daniel. The second chapter of the book of Daniel presents us with the Babylonian captivity. Daniel is in the court of King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He's troubled by the dream. He doesn't understand it. He calls all of the people of his court, the magi and so forth that he had in his court. Tell me, anybody, please interpret. Tell me what this means. And whoever can tell it to me, I will make you second in command in my my kingdom. None of them could do it. But then somebody said, there's a young man here, a Hebrew, one of the Hebrews, he's... He's been known to have insight into dreams and interpretation. They bring in Daniel. The the, the king asks him, are you able? He says, yes, I will interpret your dream for you, O king, and tell you its meaning. As as regards the reward, the, the offering of what you're offering, keep that to yourself. I'm not worried about that, but I will tell you what the dream means. And the dream was symbolic of four empires that would appear. In history, the first would be the the Medo-Persian, the Assyrians. The next was the Babylonian, which which was at present time, at that time. The next would be the empire of the Greeks. And then the fourth would be the Roman Empire. And it would be in the context of the fourth empire that the Messiah would be brought up. 
And in the dream, it appears it's presented as a stone that would be raised up. And this stone would rock the foundations of all of the others, which all would come to their end. As we hear St. Paul says, the world in its present form as we know it is passing away. Therefore, live with a new sense of urgency. You can't just carry on as though it's business as usual anymore, albeit Paul had to, had to rein in his enthusiasm for the second coming of the Christ, the parousia. And we hear about this in the book of, in his letter to the Thessalonians. He says, don't be, we don't want you to be in the dark about those who have fallen asleep. They're by no means at a disadvantage because people were wondering, okay, now, Paul, you were telling us to, to live as if, if we were working with the world, as if not working with the world, as if being mourning not to mourn and all that. Now, here we are, 10, 20 years removed. What to do? Mom and daddy's in the tomb. What's going to happen? And then he tells them that when the Lord comes in great glory, they will be the first to be raised up. And then those of us who are left, we will be caught up with them in the clouds. And we shall always be together with the Lord in his glory. So all of this is at work here in the early mind of the church. But here we are, we're being invited to really understand this context because it's so important. Jesus, in a time of fulfillment, he's speaking in specifically a time of fulfillment, the kingdom of God is at hand because those were the trigger words of the prophecy of Daniel that would waken them up. They would say, oh, this is it. And so it is. Jesus comes and he calls these men to him, beginning with these four, but it would amount to a total of 12, consisting with the 12 tribes of Israel, one of the primary Mission. One of the things that the Messiah would do was bring, would be to bring in the scattered tribes of the, of the 12 tribes. Ten were scattered all over during the Assyrian invasion. They scattered them everywhere. And so it would be that Jesus would go, and we even hear this, and we see this in the Gospels, deliberately highlighting that he went into the area of the Decapolis, into the area of the Gentiles. He even would take up his home in Capernaum by the sea in Galilee, he lived in the household of Simon, whom he would name Peter and Andrew. They were there, James and John. Notice the call, albeit they departed. They literally left their father in the boat with the hired men, the sons of Zebedee, James and John. But notice this call, they, were not, they did not necessarily leave their families behind. They left their father at, from that lo, in that particular location. But we know that they were still in, in connection with their families. Remember, the mother of James and John went to Jesus with the request, see to it that my son sit one to your right, one to your left when you enter your kingdom. Jesus enters the household of Simon Peter. The mother-in-law lay, the mother lay there with a the fever. They told him about her. He grasped, grasped, grasped her by the hand. The fever left her immediately. So what we see happening here with the advent of the Messiah, he, he enters our families. It's a reorientation. And what constitutes the membership of the family of God? Those who hear the word of God and keep it. Remember the woman in the crowd. Blessed is the womb that bore you in the breast that nursed you. Ah, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He wasn't putting down his mother by no means. For who? Who of all disciples kept the word of God after hearing it to the end? Par excellence, Mary, the mother of Jesus, the model of all disciples. 
Why fishermen? Again, whenever there are certain details in the gospel that have you scratching your head, why would, they, why would they mention this? Because it says that it makes it a point to say they were fishermen. Always go to the Old Testament. Remember, Jesus came to fulfill all that was preceded, everything that was written before. The prophet Jeremiah, chapter 16, verse 16, albeit in what Jeremiah was speaking at that time was a word of judgment, how God would draw out fishermen and hunters to go and exact his vengeance upon those who were making life miserable for his chosen people. But in this light, in this time of fulfillment, it's not that he's calling fishermen and hunters to go out and destroy, but it's to gather. Not only the membership of the lost tribes of Israel, but the whole world is being invited. Come. This is the time. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now for us today, what does it mean? Because remember, it's a here and now word. To leave, to be called from something to another always entails leaving something behind, letting go of it, or having to change it, having to reorient it, in order that you can be full on with that which you're being called to or the one whom you're being called to. And that's what we're being invited to consider. How is the word of God challenging us, inviting us to be more fully involved in this urgent call? A call that requires a total response. Total in whatever you have to bring, that's what you bring. I was sharing at the vigil mass that I conversed with Father Maestri at long length on Friday evening, he and I on the phone. We started off talking about ministry in the parish and things in the world and the church. And then he says, Father, I'd like to uh, move us to another topic. Who do you like in the Super Bowl this year? Who are your choices? Who are your picks? So he and I began to converse. And of course, he reminded me of my former pastor, Father Frank Lips, God bless the dead. He always, he called himself the crockpot and he made me the microwave. He said, I'm the microwave because I was quick to respond. And he says, he would always ask me, what do you have about this? And I would ask him, he said, no, no, you go first. I'll talk later. And so Maestri said he wanted me to say first what I thought. And I said, well, my choices, uh, first of all, these are my hopes. My first, my base, my real choice is based on hope. I'm going to give you what my thought is in terms of reality, in terms of how things are manipulated by the, by the pundits of the times. I said, my hope is NFC representative for the Super Bowl Detroit Lions, AFC, the uh, Baltimore Ravens. That's what I told him was my hope. No, actually, Houston Texans. Houston Texans, my hope. <laughs> but I said, in reality, it'll be, from my point of view, NFC representation, Green Bay Packers, well, we know how that prediction has gone. <laughs> but AFC, Super Bowl representation for AFC would be Baltimore Ravens. They're still in play. We'll see how things roll. Now, his choice was, he says, I'm going with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs for the AFC and the Green Bay Packers for the NFC. Hmm. I said, well, there it is. But he did have Green Bay going against the Lions for the NFC Championship. 
And he had Kansas City going up against the Ravens for the AFC Championship game. Just a little bit on the side, but just to let you note what? Because one is called to a vocation to the priesthood religious life, God isn't, God isn't demanding us to lose interest in the things that we enjoy, that recreate us, sports and so forth. We had our good time. No divine revelation, by the means, anybody going to, vote, uh, going to put a wager down. But if you do, I hope it blesses you greatly. I still got one horse in the race and so does he. Now, we'll see. Will it be Kansas City? <laughs> Will it be the Ravens? That's another story. Stay tuned. But back at this moment, what are we being invited to? These were fishermen, men who had to be patient, men who had to know where the fish were, how to persevere, to deal with the water when the water gets rough. But most especially, they were very much cognizant of the fact that with all that knowledge, all of that experience, the catch of fish would be dependent upon God's providence. They put their trust in God to bring the fish to the hook. Just as oyster fishermen and so forth, they all know there's a way you have to study. You have to know the topography of the, of the ocean floor. You have to know how to set things and nurture it. These men were that way. And this it's important when it comes to preaching and proclaiming the gospel because not everybody's going to be receptive to it. Not everybody's going to give us the instantaneous response. And in some cases, they may just want to push us away altogether. Whatever it is, this is the disposition of the follower of Christ. Fishermen, take what you've been gifted with Harness it, place it in my hand so that I can order all things to that which is most important, relationships, salvation of souls. This is what Jesus desires more than anything else. Be not afraid. All options are on the table. You heard about Jonah, the reluctant prophet. It wasn't the first time that the word of God came to him. At this point, he was already experienced being in the belly of a, of a giant fish or a whale and spewed out, and he got the message. Remember, a lot of times, the inconveniences, the interruptions in our lives, oftentimes is the call of God veiled. Your young niece, your nephew, your grandchild, keep pulling at you, keep pulling at you. You're in the middle of something, and you say, golly, what is this child? Why don't this child leave? Don't, can't they recognize I'm doing something? And yes, they do recognize that you're doing something. God recognizes that you're doing something, something that doesn't demand your attention at this point. Meet this child where this child is. God is using that child to pull you away from something that you've exhausted too much time with already. Leave it alone. See, it's just that simple. It's just that real and down to earth, the way God engages us on a daily basis. All the delay, all the traffic delay, stop cursing it. Use it as an opportunity. You got an audio book, listen to your audio book. Pray. Think about the ones who've gone before us. Pray for them. Pray for yourself. Pray for this craziness that's going on. Pray. I guarantee you, your experience of the, of the, in, of the inconvenience of being in the traffic is going to be different. I do some very effective praying now on that highway. Believe me, every situation is so powerful. I'm just giving a few examples. But in this here and now moment of today, 
when we approach Jesus in the second part of this liturgy, have your mind made up. Present to the Lord whatever it is in your life that needs to be transformed, that needs to be dealt with. If it's an addiction to something, if it's anxiety, if it's depression, if it's, if it's being overwhelmed by, by things that are happening, it seems like one thing after another, when is it going to stop? Whatever it is, present it to the Lord. Give it to Him. He may take it away and never give it back to you, but if He gives it back to you, He's going to give it back to you in a way that the, together you and He are going to be able to navigate the situation. But whatever it is, don't hold it back. Give it to Him. He wants everything. For after all, He has given everything for us to have life and have it to the full. This is the way. This is the truth. This is the life and the call of the Word of God. God love you.